0: Hi, I'm Jean Godfrey-June, and this is Megan O'Neill. We're the beauty editors at Goop. And you're listening to Goop's newest podcast series, The Beauty Closet, where we talk about all things beauty. We talk about clean, non-toxic beauty, of course. It's our biggest priority here at Goop. And we talk skincare, hair care, makeup, body care, self-care, and in general, the way we think about beauty,
1: you know, both as individuals and the larger culture. Today, we're talking to a world-famous plastic surgeon.
0: Dr. Julius Few has offices in Chicago, New York, and L.A., and he works with patients from all over the world. And what's crazy about him is a lot of what he does now doesn't involve the full-on invasive procedures you think of when you think of, like, plastic surgery, plastic surgery.
1: Yeah, and including the thread facial everyone's talking about, plus lasers, Botox. He
0: does this thing where he stacks treatments, like little, Mm -hmm. not even a nip and a tuck, but a tiny treatment, you know? And he's got this great 85% rule. Yeah. We'll get to our conversation with Dr. Few in just a second. First, let us tell you about the blow dryer we cannot stop talking about around goop. Everyone loves it, including myself. A big thank you to our friends at Dyson, who are making this podcast possible.
1: We're all a bit tech-obsessed here at Goop, and when we fall in love with a product we appreciate its incredible engineering. And the Dyson Supersonic Hair Dryer gives us a lot to appreciate. It's the fastest drying because it's made with a digital motor that's incredibly powerful, plus an intelligent heat control feature that protects against extreme heat damage and boosts shine by up to 132% and smoothness by 75% compared to naturally dried hair. It's brilliant for every hair type, and I love how luscious, silky, and defined my curls feel after I go over them with the Dyson Supersonic. I use the diffuser attachment. When my friends with straighter textures use the smoothing nozzle, the shine and the bounce is just amazing. When I want to switch it up and wear my hair straight, an urge I get once in a blue moon, the new wide tooth comb attachment is excellent for that. And Dyson engineered the dryer so the motor is ingeniously located in the handle, which makes the entire dryer much, much easier to use. It just rules. To learn more about the Supersonic, go to dysoncom closet. Hello, Megan. Hello, Jean.
0: I am so intrigued by this one. It's cool the way plastic surgeons combine pure science with a lot of artistry, being mm-hmm. artistic. And I love Doctor Fuse's approach. The the less is more look like yourself but a little more awake if that's what you want you know he I've definitely in my career talked to plastic surgeons that are just like very insistent about what a person should look like yeah. and I love I love the idea of doc, Dr. Few's approach which is just looking at the person.
1: Yeah and it's not this overhaul it's like a, a little tweak here a little tweak there. And I liked how he talked about the future of before and after shots which sounded cool and you know kind of futuristic. And I don't see that many black plastic surgeons, so I was really happy to talk to him.
0: Yeah, and you don't see so many handsome, cool, unstodgy ones, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, this episode, no matter how you feel about plastic surgery, is really one to listen to. It is fascinating.
1: So here is our conversation with the amazing Dr. Few. Well, Dr.
0: Few, thank you so much for coming today. We have a million questions for you. We've Always wanted to talk to a plastic surgeon and <laughs> yeah, just ask every chance. question <laughs> that we could think of. And you're a very accomplished plastic surgeon, surgeon, surgeon. And but then you're famous also for layering different kinds of less invasive treatments, sometimes in favor of facelifts, sometimes you know as an adjunct to them. What what treatments do you like to layer, and how did you come to them?
2: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, this is this. I'm looking forward to this. You know, I think that layering really came or stacking came out of an interest in doing more with less downtime, with less potential risk to a given person. Because at the end of the mm-hmm. day, I mean, we we all want to look our best, but at the same time, we want to do it with the least possible risk. And I found that. Kind of stacking non invasive technology kind of allows me to do that.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. And are there, are there, was there a time that, that certain treatments started coming in that started making sense to stack together? Like yeah. The, I, it, I assume you started out doing surgery, surgery, and then technology sort of evolved. And how did that?
2: So I was, I was very, very, very lucky in, in, it, for many for many reasons, but the probably the greatest one is when I started practice roughly 20 years ago, it was only surgery. I mean, there was none mm. of the things that we think about. I mean, Botox wasn't really being used in any real way other than for medical reasons. Fillers like, really is a concept. I mean, there was collagen, which lasted about six weeks and used it in yeah. a very limited way. So now... You know, if I look at look back on my on my career, what ultimately happened, which is, you know, kind of one of the main main points, when the first filler came along, which was Restylane, I was fortunate enough to be invited to help kind of launch that product. So it was available in Canada, and ultimately back then, even with surgery, facial surgery, the options in people with you know, skin of color, so people of, of really diverse backgrounds, surgery was tricky because you had to worry about scarring, you had to worry about pigmentation, and it was a oh. big issue. And so to me I saw honestly this as an, a nice alternative to someone who, for example, you know, scarred poorly. Well, then w- injections were an option. And oh, so yeah. I was an early, early, early adopter of this. And kind of did the first study to to show how, for example, a uh, hyaluronic acid filler like Restylane or Juvederm could be mm-hmm. safely injected in skin of color. And we published that research, and that you know that goes back you know to two, almost two decades ago of research. So now, if I look at where we are now, what had happened, and as you know, I I mean I've I've had a clinical practice not just in Chicago but in New York and 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 in Los Angeles. And so what Amazing. would happen? is in large part i would see someone well in in one of those cities and they may or may not even live in one of those three cities but they were coming to me for my expertise and mm-hmm. so i had to come up with ways to efficiently deliver a, an outcome but without yeah. with the minimal amount of recovery the minimal amount of downtime so that they could get back onto an airplane and oh, ultimately uh, yeah. get their results. So what had happened was we, when the, the first kind of stackable treatment, which is what I kind of called it at the time, and this goes back almost eight years, seven, eight years ago, it was combining focused ultrasound fillers and laser in one setting, which no one at the time thought of doing. I mean, it was just, it was something that, I mean, you do it individually or you'd space it out a month or two apart or what have yeah. you. Yeah, like one session you But not in one session. So I did that in part out of necessity, but I also did it out of an interest of, well, what can we do in somebody who's, you know, in their late 30s or 40s who just wants to age gracefully, maybe has a little bit of this and that going on what can he or she do this was a really nice way to go because what I found and this we you know we published this but what we found was there was a synergy when you combine these techniques and it makes sense now if you think about it but if you're doing three things that you know are targeting different parts of the physiology of the of the face or the neck you're going to get an enhanced result as compared to spacing them apart so yeah that makes that's where sense this came from
0: that's amazing. I mean, I've heard like if you focus light is like Althera, or no, that's that's so uh, focused
2: ultrasound is Althera exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: If you do one of a treatment like that and then also use Botox at the same time, that they can complement each other. Exactly. It, a little it, this
2: is so we we expanded. So it started out with, and it's kind of you know I have I have two boys that are that are adolescents and. But when they were little, this is where I got the idea. I watched them playing and they were stacking their like toy blocks. And I realized, wait a minute, that's really what I'm doing. I'm stacking technology or energy to get a result. And and much to my surprise, to be honest, because I am a plastic surgeon, I do a lot of facial cosmetic surgery, but in in a well-selected patient, you know, I was getting some results that honestly, it was funny. My staff would look at me and I'd say, okay, when did you, when did you do her surgery? and i say no i didn't i didn't do her surgery i just i did i combined these these things you know i've written just published a textbook last year about this but and designed really more for other you know plastic surgeons and dermatologists but to really look at this this whole concept which has revolutionized the way that we look at facial cosmetic work and i think it even takes it another direction which again may not be obvious but it actually makes the surgery better because what we've learned from doing these stackable or combined treatments, you you can actually, as a plastic surgeon, you can tailor your surgery using those concepts so that your surgery is not as, inv- as invasive.
0: That's, okay. I, wa- I also wonder that because there's obviously there's a whole class of people, there's dermatologists doing some of these Treatments also, and I wonder if you feel like you have a, per, a special perspective in terms of that. Your, you really, you know, your training is in in the mechanics of the face that maybe go deeper than <laughs> than than <laughs> what some of the other people doing these things do. I mean, yeah,
2: it, it, it is. I do have. It's kind of so. The analogy I love to make is it's kind of like the cardiac surgeon who was trained in cardiology first they have a unique perspective because they know how to do cardiac catheterizations, but they also know how to do open-heart surgery. And so I see myself very much so like that. I mean, I'm very much so, I work heavily in the dermatologic space, I've done a lot of basic research in dermatology, but, but I don't try to call myself a dermatologist, but I have that perspective. And at the same time, I've seen everything from the inside. So, and I, I work actively on the inside. I've, been, I've, I've invented some, some very serious operations for plastic surgery. So for me, I look at it, well, and so one example would be I developed an operation to lift the cheek from inside the eyelid and that Whoa. was how do you do that <laughs> and, and why is that <laughs> so this was so I did I did training specialty training after plastic surgery in what's called ophthalmic plastic surgery so this is an area that specializes on cosmetic or and restorative surgery around the eye so that was that was the focus of my specialty training and so when I first went into practice th- at the time it was a big kind of in vogue thing to lift cheeks from the outside of the lower eyelid. Well, that was a surgery that in in not the most skilled hands caused some real big problems. And so there were lots of people all over the country, and this again goes back, you know, twenty years or more ago, but all around the country there were there were lots of people who literally had such bad scarring from this this surgery, which was popularized at the time, that they it they had horrible Pull down on their lower eyelids to the point where you could see, like the inside of their lower eyelid. Oh yeah. And so it's a I mean it's a horrible problem. It's called an ectropion. But so I I invented that operation, to fix that problem, because there really was no great option for it at the time. And so then it became I realized well wait a minute if I'm using this to fix a problem, then you uh, know then all of this has been published by the way. But if I'm using this to fix a problem why wouldn't you use it in the first place? Because at the end of the day, it was a way to avoid some of the physical problems that led to that complication in the first place. Right. So that that's it was called a trans... Anyway, it's a mouthful, but a transconjunctival mid-facelift. And, and so this was a technique that was published more than 10 years ago, but it revolutionized really the way that that I think most of my colleagues, especially specialists in this area, kind of look at it. And so if I take that experience, what, what I've thoroughly enjoyed about this area, and like you're saying, I mean, I look at it from, from two sides. When somebody comes to see me, they know that I can look at them from their true best interest. So if somebody says, you know what, I'm thinking about this particular problem, I feel like my eyes are droopy or my cheeks are droopy or what have you, what are my options? Well, I can give them an A to Z list of options from surgical to non-surgical, if, they have a, if, they're, an, if they're a candidate for both. Whereas some, it may be very clear, especially if somebody comes in young, and Gene mm-hmm. knows that you know this very well. I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not shy to say, you know, you're silly to want it, not you, but I mean, I, you're silly, that somebody in general is silly. And if somebody's young on the younger side, then surgery doesn't often make sense. But if somebody is clearly, you know, is much, 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 much older and has done nothing and, you know, has, has obvious age-related change, they're going to be more of a surgical candidate, and doing non-surgery is going to just make them look silly. Like, you wouldn't you wouldn't want your grandmother to have, you know, large like lips. Fish, fish lips. I mean, I, totally. I just, that's not I don't know if nice. anybody
1: wants large that's fish nice. lips. <laughs> that's not okay, nice. That's nice. Okay, speaking of people coming in and asking for things, who is getting your thread lip facial? Because everyone's talking about that, and... It sounds pretty amazing. Like you there's no incision and there's no downtime.
2: It's I, Tell I us so about you that. you you know how to ask all the right questions. I love <laughs> I love I do love that application, the the threading. And in reality, it's the perfect balance or kind of option, if you will, between the idea of fillers, Botox, and surgery. I, I mean it, it's a buffer between those because really what threading has allowed me to do, especially in men and women who are in their 40s and early 50s, mid-50s even, It it can be a true game changer. It's something that can be done, you know, in twenty minutes, as you know, and it it's something that yeah, we've had it at Goop Health. (laughs) You you did it live in Goop Health. They're going to do it on our
1: (laughs) twenty minutes. (laughs) It's
2: it's pretty. It is pretty, you know. And again, I mean, I like to not oversell anything. I mean, I think it is something in a well selected person. That is universally a home run without a lot of fuss at all. And and you know, in the final analysis, it's not designed to be a facelift. It's designed to be kind of a strategic way to resuspend or reelevate an area of of the face or neck that is sagging through through aging. And for some that can happen prematurely. So but it can really do a dramatic thing. It's it's a byproduct of a kind of a, a complex sugar process in terms of fermentation. It dissolves, so it's fully biodegradable. It stimulates collagen.
0: It's and- unrelated to the to the threading of of years before where there were the threads that got left in your skin. Which got correct? left
2: in your skin and were permanent, which is not, I mean, there's mm, I would not, not I would not <laughs> it's not ideal. I would not put anything like that in any I never did actually. I said I would I you know it to it me not, it was not the thing to do. But now it's become I actually call it an, an, an inverso concept. So we know that if we look at the face it really in a, if you look at and, and this is in gross terms but if you look at the face it's typically a youthful or or graceful looking face male or female is more of like an inverted triangle and so if you if you look at things and that's why i, I kind of have called this the inverse it's an invert it's an inverse of a triangle or inverso is what i've called it and so what i found is that if i use the threads strategically to help kind of sharpen somebody's jawline or lift their cheek area or their neck, often what I can do to get even more of an effect, and this goes into this stackable concept you were talking about at the very beginning, I can use a small dose strategically of Botox and one of the muscles that really does cause kind of a scowl or frown to the lower face or the lower around the mouth. Uh So strategically putting a small dose of Botox in there a small amount of filler in that area, and you can—and I have—I mean, I'm, I'm this is something I'm getting ready to publish. We—you can see, really, in many cases, near surgical results, or sur, even at a surgical level. And so, I'm really, really excited about it because it makes sense that you—you know—again, if you—if you're looking at synergies, and again, these are things that I learned yeah. from my facial surgery, you can get these kinds of results.
1: But you're doing this with the thread I'm lift? I'm doing it with
2: the thread lifting. Whoa. Yeah, so At, I'll All do in the same all, session, I'll, so it's like 30 minutes. It, it, yeah, th- literally 30 wow. minutes, and I can do it in all in the same session. And, I mean, it's miraculous. I just had a, wow. you know, I, so, and, and literally somebody can, like I had somebody fly up uh, to my Chicago office from Naples, Florida. I did her treatment, and she and her husband went back home the next day. So, uh, or I think even that evening. So to me... And for a
0: classic it, facelift, a person's going to have to wait. Never.
2: No, you, would ne- you couldn't get on a plane for at least, you know, five to seven days after even the most uncomplicated facelift.
0: And how huh. long does something like that last compared with, say, a facelift?
2: So this is another thing that we're getting ready to publish. We looked at our first 100 patients in terms of their satisfaction and, and so on and longevity. And so what we're seeing is for those patients who are in that kind of 40s to late 50s zone, 58 to be exact, that they are seeing results that are more than two years on average. Oh, really? Probably about 25, 25, almost 26 months. And even then they're not back to baseline, they're just coming back for repeat treatment in that time frame. What we're also finding is that, you know, as you would expect, if I'm treating somebody who's older, who has has done really nothing else, like they're in their late 60s with this with this, you know, with threading, mm-hmm. the yeah. results are not going to be quite as good and they're not going to last quite as long. So we're finding in those cases they're really closer to two years.
1: And when you first get it, does it look sort of intense and, and like super lifted, like how a facelift looks sort of intense no, and you have to, no. your face has to fall? Like it just, no. what do you look like right after? You it?
2: look, it, it literally, it looks like the, in large part the way that you want it to look. That's the funny thing. And so it does, it actually gets even better over the three to six months. Now, occasionally, especially if I'm trying to correct an asymmetry like I I, I was doing yesterday, I mm-hmm. had somebody who had quite a bit of asymmetry, but very pretty face. In that case, I I actually pulled a little. I overcorrected a hair, which means that you know there's just a slight, slight little wrinkle if you looked really close. But if an untrained eye, you can't tell. So to me, I don't. That's the advantage of this. You don't want to do something that has the same recovery as a facelift. Otherwise, you would do a facelift.
0: Wow. It. As far as the quality of the skin, like I feel, you know, you're with a lot of these things you're working with, with, you know, the underpinnings and and holding things up. And then there's also sort of the surface quality of the skin. Are there things that you really look to for that? Or do you advise someone to go to a dermatologist or start a new skincare routine? Or like, do you address that when you're, when someone comes in and is like, I'm not looking how I want
2: to look? There's great synergy between, for example, the thread lifting or even fillers and and the quality of skin. We we actually have published that with this particular product, the 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 thread material actually stimulates collagen, as I'd mentioned earlier. But but it does enhance the appearance of the surface of the skin, much like Sculpture is and is a liquid form of this particular. It's like material. a filler, right? It's like a filler, right. So sculptra is the liquid form of what the thread is made out of. And so one of the big advantages of sculptra and, and you know in terms of those who are big fans of it, I use it. I don't use it as much for the face, but I use it more on the body. and but sculpture does enhance the appearance of the surface of the skin. also, that's probably one of its strongest suits. So the huh. threads over time, part of the reason why the results seem to get better, both in terms of just the shape of the face and neck, but but it's also the appearance of the skin itself. Fine lines and wrinkles are made better. Huh. So that's a huge advantage also.
1: And do you do as much body as you do for the face?
2: You know, it's interesting for f- – do you mean for the threading oh, or just, just in general?
1: I guess just treatments in just general. Just treatments
2: in general. So I would say for the body and my – Can you thread my, the body? My, I have, I have in select areas. I've threaded. Oh, and again, this is off considered off label, but I thread, yeah. I've threaded arms, the really? belly. You were asking about stems. arms. Yeah, I'm I've, curious I've about done arms. it, and I, in and a, and a well selected person, it's awesome.
1: So threading the arms. I've so is that is that the, arms? Is that yeah. the same as it, what does it do? It firms the part, S- so the under part firm. that gets. Jiggly.
2: Yeah, (laughs) it helps. It helps shift the jiggle. So it it basically, what I'm doing, I'm shifting it basically into the the armpit area. (laughs) So it's shifting that skin, that that relative redundancy of skin, or that lack, that like saggy, like jiggly skin that you're talking about. It just, I'm shifting it back into the armpit area. So even if somebody's wearing a, you know, a woman is wearing like a sleeveless dress, her arms look better.
0: Let's take a quick break, and we'll get right back to Dr. Few.
1: At Goop, we're obsessed with beauty products and tools that really, truly work to make you look like you, but better. It's the reason we're so into Dyson's supersonic hair dryer, which is something of a feat of engineering. It dries hair super, super fast. It has the fastest digital motor and a special air multiplier technology. There's even an intelligent heat control technology that protects hair from extreme heat damage and amps up natural shine all at once. In fact, the dryer helps boost smoothness by 75%, shine by up to 132%, and decreases frizz by up to 61% compared to naturally dried hair. And oh my god, I feel like my curls are extra shiny and silky after using it. My texture is a bit coarse and a bit kinky, and when I go over my entire head with the diffuser attachment, it leaves my curls feeling defined, smooth, and insanely soft with less frizz. There's an amazing smoothing nozzle that my friends who wear their hair straight love a new wide tooth comb attachment to help shape textured hair, a style concentrator for precision styling, and a new gentle air attachment for sensitive scalps and fine hair. So really it works brilliantly, no matter what your hair type. It feels steady and natural in your hand, which isn't surprising since it was ingeniously designed with the motor and the handle to balance out the weight. This thing is amazing and it's really changed our lives over here at Goop. To learn more about the Supersonic, go to Dyson.com slash beautycloset. Okay,
0: let's get back to our chat with Dr. Few. How do you help a patient get to what they want without, like, implanting new doubts about their appearance in their heads? That's a good question. Well,
2: so this is – this is it's really interesting you say this. So this – I've been – and I think this is why, you know – I'd imagine
0: it, it's sort of an occupant – like, it, you, you it, can't help looking at people well, and going, yeah. what happened and, there.
2: And, and so – I mean, but it's just trying too hard. So then, it again, it made me start to wonder, well, why is it that – somebody, think about this, why is it that sometimes you can look at a picture of somebody, it can be somebody well known, and then you actually meet them in person, and they may be actually more attractive or less attractive than they were in their picture. I mean, just yeah. think, ponder that It happens that all second. the time. Yeah. It happens yeah. Is all that the time. symmetry? So, so I have a reason for this. And the reason is, and this is something that I've been looking at really critically, because I look at I, don't, I actually look at my before and after work actually in in real life, meaning in video. So what oh. I've been, what I've started to do is really look at my patients before and after in terms of animation and what I found and I've actually come up with this concept, which is called so you guys get to hear it. And so what what I shared with them, which I think is just it will revolutionize the way we look at beauty and aesthetic treatments, is what I call four-dimensional rejuvenation or four-dimensional beauty. Well, what is that fourth dimension? The fourth dimension is time, but it's not over... I'm not talking about over the course of days or weeks. I'm talking about over fractions of seconds. So if we look at... If you look at... And I've I've done slow motion breakdown of looking at animation... A, both before and after treatment. And what you fu- what I found is that there's a really delicate balance between relaxing areas or filling areas and not allowing for an unattractive movement to the face on a microscopic oh. level. So it's That's part what of the looks re-
0: kind of funny to someone. That's what looks
2: funny. And this is the thing where even a child, like a baby could look at somebody and say... That not say a baby wouldn't say it, but would, <laughs> would, but would show that there's something odd or not matching. It's it's that fourth mm. dimension. It's these. It's like the movement from one second to the next. And so, huh. really, where person? Yeah. So what I'm so what I'm doing is I'm when I when I'm working with somebody, I'm always thinking about the balance of movement. So where's the classic example of this? The classic example is around the mouth. So if you overfill the lips and by overfill meaning that you make them like shiny smooth and like just bubbling over with, with filler. With yeah. well, by definition, they're not going to move normally. I yeah, the movement the, is the The movement key, is huh? off. It, it looks... So there's always this balance of... And, and this is what I get asked all the time. Well, how much filler is enough? It's and It's to the point where your lip moves normally. When your lip no longer moves normally, and I think very few doctors or even anybody who injects Looks at that component. Where you take it a step further, if you look at, for example, there was a big craze and it's kind of coming back again. Which I mean, it's unfortunate. Is overfilling laugh lines. Well, guess what? My twelve-year-old son has laugh lines. I'm not going to go try to fill them. Fill them. (laughs) Yeah. and, and, And and nor should anybody else if they're if they're mild. Because it's that, movement. Because it's movement related, yeah. and you need to see that as a definition of that fourth dimension of of movement and attraction.
0: You're animated, yeah, you're
2: animated. If That's you take definitely what you pick up
1: on when you're like, you do not look real. Well,
0: I remember a long time ago, Joan Rivers. I was talking to Joan. I don't Rivers. talk about famous
2: people, <laughs> no, whether no, no, with us or not. So um, anyway, no,
0: um, she said to me, it's just she said she was talking about people that get plastic surgery and she said, including herself, and she's like, you can look good in TV or you can look good in real life. And that was the choice, maybe back then. You know, that's that's changed, and I wonder if that was part of it too. Is that yeah. you can look fine in a picture, right. Or you know, it's, it's, giving it's, your soundbite, and then in real life, something looks not
2: well. What's what's really interesting, and so I, I do, I get, I'm fortunate enough to take care of people in the entertainment space, and what what's what's changed, I think, from that time period to now, is really for four K. Or four DK, I mean whatever they call it now, but this truly hyper resolution imaging that we see oh, on yeah. video that that no longer is the case. I mean, you you now if you see something that is going on that even with or without makeup, it shows, everything shows.
1: Yeah. So when when patients first come in though, do they know what they want or you know? Or or how does that work? They come in and they request something or do they come in to have you sort of give an analysis of what can make them look, you know? You know,
2: it's, it's kind of I, – I see a combination of both. I definitely see people who will come in and say, look, I've heard about these threads. Tell me about it. Am I a candidate? So that's one person. And they may already be seeing somebody else for skincare and other things. But then I have uh, probably the majority are are men and women who will come in and say, look, I just want to age gracefully, I don't want to look silly, what do you recommend? And so for me in general, what I recommend or what I look at, it's actually pretty simple. I look at really the three, I call it the three components of aging. And the three components are variable skin change, so wrinkling, sun damage, discoloration, that kind of thing.
0: Sort of Vol-
2: surfacey stuff which is apparent it's right there mm-hmm. the second is volume we n- and now more than ever we know that exactly where on the face and the neck kind of volume is lost and how it typically go how it's lost in terms of sequence and so same in
1: men and women same, it's, it's, same
2: in, it's same in men and women there are uh. some differences in ethnicities which i've also oh, that's like, like a sub sub-sec- subsection so, for example, typically in the in the layer or compartment just beneath the skin, you will often see less of a of a relative loss of support in people who have darker skin. So you Again. tend to you tend to see this. You, tend to see <laughs> this you are going to look
0: like yourself forever. And it's so, be so this good. is this is
2: one example, and 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 also where we where, where we're often kind of looking is around kind of the eyelid, which is my, of course, one of my favorite areas to, to, to make look better. For example, and I published this, that in, in people of, of African or Asian descent, there's a much more rapid, I mean, and this is all relative. With age, there's a more rapid loss of volume around the eyebrow area. So really? the brow oh. tends to drop, and then there's also a movement of the outer corner of the eye downward with aging that appears relatively more dramatic as compared to people who are not in that racial ethnic group. Okay, so, so I'm
1: going to droop, but I'm not going to wrinkle. Yes, exactly. I'm going to get showers, but no wrinkles. Oh, I'll take it. There you yeah, go. I, this I'm,
2: is this is Megan. This I is how, this that. is how this is how this <laughs> works. It's, it's, there's no there's no free lunch. There's no perfect deal. It's just it's it just everybody. That's that's what makes the world. We all go We all age. Yeah. It's just it's going to subtly be so, different. Better than the alternative. It like is they say, much better totally. than the alternative.
0: What You mentioned that you're an expert in the eye area, and I feel like that is – that's the first place that people notice Mm -hmm. that they're not feeling like they look the same or that, you know, what are the – I don't know, the sort of – maybe sort of by age or something best, I guess, best – treatments for the eyes whether it's a, a surgical treatment or a laser or what
2: you know Yeah yeah I, this is it's so what's interesting and there there are now more than ever so many non surgical options but one of the things and I think we we even may have published it in in uh, Goop online or in the written publication in a previous interview but just the idea of using botox in the forehead that as as we get mm. older you really have to be careful not you, and not meaning the general public, but physicians and people who do these treatments have to be really careful to back off on how much Botox they put in the forehead or if at all. Because, because people start
0: to look sort of pulled and they, pointy. They and look
2: either pointy or heavy in the brow, which then translates to the, to the upper eyelid area. I just had a lady come in at like earlier this week who literally said, I need to get my upper eyelids done surgically. And I said, no, you don't. You just need, and she didn't. She didn't even tell me she did Botox. I said, but you could you tell. Just, I could tell, and I said, huh. no, you just need to make sure that your dermatologist, or because it, it was, not happened to be a dermatologist. I just, I just said, you just have to make sure your dermatologist doesn't put so much Botox in your forehead, and you'll be fine. Interesting so to me. And is
0: it just less, or is it just like strategic. at a some point you got to stop doing Botox? In your so forehead. there,
2: we published in Dermatologic Surgery Journal earlier this year research that I did where we looked at uh, 50 women and they had one of the three findings, either a lower hairline, a higher hairline, meaning a more prominent forehead, or they had droopy eyelids, upper eyelids. And if Mm -hmm. you look at that group, that's super high risk for Botox in the forehead in general for a lot of reasons. The
1: droopy.
2: Because you can make their eyes droopier Uh or you can make the eyebrows look like, like Mr. Spock from Star Trek. And so what what we found is that if we treat just between the eyebrow and we treat just the outer aspect of the eyes, kind of the eye area, but nothing Mm. in the forehead, their forehead's passively relaxed and they were much smoother, but yet they could still move them. And you didn't get the weird movement in the brow either. And so and it makes sense. If you look at the physiology, this is where surgery has helped make... Botox treatment better and vice versa, is that typically with surgery, what I was finding is that even if I didn't lift somebody's brows, but I did a good, kind of a good eyelid, upper and lower eyelid surgery, that their foreheads look better. And so it's, it's the reason for it is very simple. If the muscles that are normally pulling down on the eyebrow are relatively relaxed or weakened, the forehead muscles relax in turn.
0: Wow, cool. So this and is
2: this is just the example. And you get a much more natural result, but yet they can still express themselves.
0: Yeah. It's Great. Get that movement. And then what about the, the under eye? I feel like I get more questions about the under eye, whether it's darkness or puffiness than anything else. And crow's feet, you know, the, like that whole people just,
2: yeah. people fix it on that. Yeah, yeah no, the under eyes are the tricky. But when, plus, you're right. I mean, I 100% agree with you. you that's the area that really suggests you're tired. So Definitely. if you, I mean, nobody wants to look tired, or at least, and I—that's the thing. I'll get people coming in, and they'll say, "You know what? Everybody asked me why am I tired, and I had a ten-hour night of sleep." So yeah, to me, it's the it's, worst. it, it is—it's <laughs> the worst insult to injury. So the way that it it works, you pointed them out perfectly. Dark dark circles are usually due to prominent blood vessels in the under eye area, which can typically be helped with laser or pigment in the skin itself, which can be helped with either laser or topical, like over the, not over the counter, but doctor prescribed agents. Or the, the area that I love to treat is if somebody does have some puffiness of the eye that's very mild. And mm-hmm. especially maybe related to allergies, things like that, you can use Althera for that. and we do we know we a a way yeah. to do that. So Althera is very what effective for that, that story? <laughs> to shrink shrink down that area. And then you can actually, and I love this is my kind of a it's a one two punch. I'll do the altera for the under eye. and then after two to three months when that fat has really shrunk down, then I can put filler along kind of the lower eyelid cheek junction kind of that so-called we call mm-hmm. it a tear trough a yeah. little bit of filler and it and again in a well-selected person i wouldn't try to do this in in you know in like an 80 year old grandmother <laughs> but i would in somebody who's you know in their 40s 50s or even 30s i have 30 have year olds who come in with this it's it's a yeah really it kind nice of is all age. It's all is it age. riskier
1: though with the eye area?
2: Like no, it, I mean Altara? it's like anything else. You yeah. want to you know it's kind of my public service announcement. You want to make sure you're going to somebody who is trained as a plastic surgeon or dermatologist who has experience in this in this area.
0: And that that yeah, how do you find a great plastic surgeon? Because I feel like you'll you'll see we see lots of bad examples of plastic mm-hmm. surgery, but often you see someone and you're like, oh, she's just so gorgeous, you know. We that's probably it could be some great plastic surgery, or it could just be how just she's nature. aging. You know, keep well,
2: <laughs> keep keep them, keep them guessing. I, <laughs> yeah. to me that's the definition of great work. I love when somebody like somebody every now and again will come in and say, nobody even noticed that I did, you know. And I'm I'm <laughs> I literally I'm like I'm shaking yeah, my that's hands the are up. Thank you. I'm I am i am glad that I did what we needed to do. So to me, I think I think that finding somebody, we call it the core four specialists. So it's dermatology, plastic surgery, facial plastic surgery, and oculoplastic surgery or oculofacial surgery. So, so why the four? the four core groups and these are individuals okay. that just by way of background naturally lead to an experience or a skill set within the area of kind of cosmetic surgery and non-surgical options. I think that once you find somebody then each of those areas has specialty societies that kind of help to make sure that that given person is up to date in terms of their continuing education and so on making sure they're board certified ideally by the American board of medical specialties. And lastly, you know, ideally some, some evidence that they've done what they're proposing they're going to do. Because so often, like we have conferences and I, you know, I have, I speak at many conferences all over the world and there will be people who will come and literally say, okay, I've never done this and I want to do this. And so it's, I'm I'm telling them, okay, A, you gotta make sure the person knows that you've never done this before and B, start really basic and simple. And there are with people who have experience in doing different te- techniques. You can learn. Um, it from can one be easy, do... of course you can learn, mm-hmm. but it it you don't want it, it's it's a poor match if somebody has had treatments by some of the best people. And this happens mm-hmm. all the time when somebody moves from one city to another. Maybe they found the best person in that city to be treated by. Yeah. They don't want to go to somebody who has never done it or has done it two or three times, and then they're going to get into trouble. So that's going to be the way to kind of work that.
1: I would want to see someone's clients too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Before and after pictures. Yeah. It, it's a, that's. I think it's. That's. Well, now standard. we need to see.
0: We need standard. to see the before and after video now it's the video exactly well this is just evolving so they they may not they won't
2: they won't find many off i don't think they'll find any office that does this yet because it just kind of came up with it
0: that's cool that's a great great idea are there any as a plastic surgeon you're seeing people coming in and saying you know i'm i'm aging i want to what is there one piece of advice that you'd give a young person in order to like stave off your services as long as possible?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I tell any and everybody stay ahead of the curve, meaning stay ahead of it. To me, it's much easier to prevent than to treat. And and the reality is, and I one of my favorite patients in Chicago who I've really we've done a lot of the pioneering things I've done, she's been there at the beginning. And, and so, and that relationship goes back now like 14, 15 years. But what is interesting is that even though she's now approaching her later 60s, A, she looks, if you if you would have guessed that she's in her early 50s, that's how she looks. Yeah. And then B, but yet natural, not done or overdone or anything else. But B, it's it's the idea that she really hasn't had an indication for a facelift, which in reality, had she Whoa. not started with some of these things, there's no question in my mind because she likes looking good and she's an attractive woman. Yeah, but she, she would have absolutely had to have had a facelift by by now. So, to me, ultimately, I think prevention is kind of the key not overdoing cuz that's that's kind of it, too much of a good thing is is too much of a good thing. Yeah. So overfilling actually does the opposite. It actually ages the tissue It makes it's the reason why if you see somebody whether it's on Instagram or whatever mm-hmm. where they have a lot of filler in, they look older.
1: They do, and yeah. And to yeah.
2: me that's 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 to be avoided. So I would say a little is good, too much is bad. And ideally I tell everybody shoot for. And this is what I would tell a provider. If you're in a doctor's mm-hmm. office, tell them, look, just, just kind of go to 85%. I just want eighty five percent of oh, whatever it is good. I'm going after. It's I call it my eighty five percent rule. Just eighty five percent of it gone. If they do a slightly over, you're still not going to be overdone. If they hit at 80 percent instead eighty five, guess what? You're still better. So to me, <laughs> that's where you want to be. Good advice. That's where it's you want to be. It's just
1: it's sort of tricky because if it ain't broke,
2: don't fix it. You know. And what do I mean by that? Big big easy advantage that we have if we're you know if we're fortunate to have. Have parents in our in our lives and and mm. so on is look at how they have aged, yeah. Because that's going to be an easy giveaway as to what's going coming down the pipe.
0: <laughs> Unless you have one parent that sags and one that wrinkles, <laughs> and you're like, who am I going to get? get all, it all? Or doing? is it going to be all? It depends. <laughs> it
2: depends if you're a glass half full or half empty <laughs> kind of person. I don't know. I think you. It's called rolling the dice. But I, yeah. I think I think overall. Um, where where I land is, you know, finding somebody who you can, you know, in general trust, who's not going to try to over-te- you know, overtreat you and who's going to, in general, look out for your best your best interest. And as conservative, I think that's the sweet spot. And I think luckily the industry is going in that direction because pe- there are more people like me who mm-hmm. are saying, look, you can't overtreat people it's just not the right thing and it has to you know it has to stop and i've i've kind of made it you know in part of mission
0: so 85% and then we look for the four the four G, the the people who are experienced, right. experienced in the four different areas
2: exactly those are the, the big take- those are the big takeaways and and, 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 the, and, and see and the, their work
0: and the the stacking stacking and staking, staking yeah. is the oh, key video
1: before and, and after video. videos
2: like we said videos are probably that's going to be in the next six months to a year that hopefully there will be we'll more, more a- adaptation of that
0: so cool we c- we have like stacks of more questions <laughs> <Yeah>. for you <laughs> got <laughs> we,
2: <stop. laughs> we
0: this has just been so incredibly informative I really couldn't talk to you all day
2: I feel the same no this is you guys it's, <laughs> yeah, it's this like was I thoroughly great. enjoy it I'm thoroughly oh, enjoying
0: Well, myself. thank you so much thank you Okay. This was just fascinating. Like people are not going in for a facelift like they used to, I guess. You know, it's, it's, a, it's sort of a different conversation. Yeah, they
1: stack. They stack. <laughs> there are so many options in what to do. The tech sounds pretty incredible, too. I love when he pointed out that his 12-year-old son has laugh lines.
0: Yeah. Like the idea that trying to completely eradicate a wrinkle, which many people get obsessed, you know, whether you're talking about a breakout or a wrinkle, people are like, I've got to get rid of this thing that's ruining my face. And it's, you know, when you get that laser focused, you kind of don't see the rest of your fa- own face and you you lose perspective.
1: Yeah. And, and how getting too much just has the opposite effect of making you look Older. It's true. I mean, that is that is so true. I mean, it used to be, I feel like,
0: you know, years ago, people would get really invasive peels. Mm-hmm. They were chemical peels, but really deep and, you know, re- required a lot of recovery. And it would completely sort of get rid of any variation in their skin tone. Huh. So they'd be, and, and it would make them shiny. And so you'd look it's and like you'd be flat. like, I don't know how
1: old that person is, but they are. They are old because right. nobody young looks like that. Yeah, not that not that looking old, not that being old is bad.
0: Yeah, and, but trying to get rid of every wrinkle is is is, is self hating. You know, yeah. it's, it's 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 not going to make you look better. There's something about getting comfortable in your skin. You know, as you
1: age, and and yeah, and and people are beautiful at every stage and at every age. And I like that he seems to appreciate that. I really do. I loved when he was talking
0: about that woman who he'd worked with for so many years. Oh yeah. He sounded like he was on her side. And I for me that is the big difference like my whole career I've I've watched top makeup artists, top hairstylists at work and there's a big difference. The difference that I see between someone like that and the next level of person mm-hmm. that's doing that kind of work is is that they really look at the person, you can go into a say a, a hairdresser and they'll be like, Who did that to you? Yeah. You know, and that's the bad, that's it the is. not good hairdresser. That's, that's discouraging. When you when you go to a really amazing hairdresser, they look at you and they say, What is beautiful about this person? How can I bring that out? Same with makeup. And I feel like with Dr. Few, too, the way he talked about that woman, he was like, We've been doing this for years. And, yeah. you know, and he you could tell how proud he was that she looked so good. Yeah. And You know, it wasn't like he was like, I came in and put my stamp on her and walked away. Yeah. You know? He he had a good vibe. He, He really, I think it makes all the difference in the world when you're going to see any kind of beauty professional, whether it's something as simple as a trim or as major as a plastic surgeon, you want when you're talking to that person, to feel like they are seeing you, taking you in, and appreciating something about you. If they don't find something beautiful about you, you should not let them work on you, whether it's, you know, they're putting on lipstick or they're like giving you
1: Botox. Yeah, you know, fully agree. So on the site, I do a column called Megan Tries It and Jean does one called Ask Jean and we get a whole bunch of beauty questions.
0: And we're going to answer them here, one by one or two by two, depending on the week. <laughs> so let's get to it. Let's get to ask us anything. If anybody has a question they want us to answer here, just send it over to Goop on Instagram or Facebook. Now to today's
1: question. This is from Clarissa. I know spray sunscreens have gotten a bad rap for being potentially harmful to inhale, but what about spray mineral sunscreen? Are those safe? That's a really controversial question.
0: Yeah. Thing, Clarissa, and and we've really looked at it um, because even brands that that we love have spray mineral sunscreen, and we we really wondered about it. And after talking to a lot of people, we came to the conclusion that. That it's not so good for you. Yeah, we we talked to a few scientists and they were like, "Well, it's it it does get into the deep lung," and like they kept repeating the word deep lung, and I was like, "Okay, I, I don't the need worst to, visual, <laughs> yeah, worst visual," and it's it's hard because everybody's like, "But I want to use the spray sunscreen. It's easier." Easy. But it, it, but it's not good for you. It's very bad for you if it's if it's chemical. You know the kind that is totally invisible and easy to 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 rub in. You know that stuff that just came out in JAMA and yeah. in the New York Times. It, they just came out with that big report about how it actually gets into your bloodstream and persists, and that that the FDA needs to investigate it in terms of cancer causing yeah uh, possibility. And so, chemical sunscreen proven worse than ever but mineral sprays are not the way to go either at least in in our opinion you know it is an opinion it's not a uh, it's uh but i I don't want
1: anything in my deep lung that's not supposed to be there no and and the small particles is the scary thing it's like that's that's the
0: that's a very good point that there's a lot of sunscreens will say non-nano yeah and you the the truth is there's no such thing as non-nano. When you grind particles up, there's going to be nanoparticles and non-nano particles. And that's, that you know, sometimes there's going to be smaller things and those will get further into your skin, your lungs, whatever it is. So the non-nano thing is a little controversial also. For us... We're like, if it's hard to rub in, (laughs) we love it. (laughs) We love it. My personal favorite at the moment, it's a lotion. I think it's like, you know, for the summer, like we're going on the beach, you really need to protect yourself from organic pharmacy. Oh, it's SPF fifty. They also make a thirty, which is easier to rub in, but the fifty is kind of incredible at how easy it is to rub in and it's but it's it's total just mineral. It smells good. Doesn't have artificial fragrance. It's
1: just I love the package. The whole the whole thing works for me. I know you love Vivasana. I love Vivasana, and I do love Organic Pharmacy for my body. I like the thirty because I'm darker, so it's yeah. better for me to rub in. But Vivasana, I put on my face every single day, whether it's summer or winter. I love it for plane rides because it makes you so glowy, mm. and it's just like supercharged with all these antioxidants. It and feels that so is good. a tip antioxidants Everybody,
0: well no the the going on the plane um, um, anybody who <laughs> goes on a plane should be putting on sunscreen you're like way 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 up there totally and the rays are a lot more intense and you do not want them
1: and it keeps you glowy good point thanks clarissa thanks again for joining us on the beauty closet you can learn more about our new podcast series at goop.com slash podcast we hope you'll come back next wednesday for our next chat And in the meantime, just tap subscribe to keep up with new episodes. If you're liking what you're hearing, please rate and review the podcast. And share it with a friend. Talk soon.